Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this edition of Penscast Postgame. This is Lucas once again with you. And we just finished up watching a hell of a game. It was classic Penguins Capitals, a game that we used to see very often, but because of the new way the NHL schedules games, not so much. This was the only time these two teams met at PPG Paints Arena this season and just the third meeting and final meeting between these two for the entirety of the regular season. And I'm going to get into it here in a second, but just to summarize this game, A, fantastic, in a word. It was a great game overall. And this game had everything. If this was your first NHL game you got to uh, watch in person or on TV, whatever, it was a great game. It had everything a hockey fan or a potential hockey fan would want to see. It had goals from superstars. It had you know goals from depth players. It had fights. It had great saves. All of that was on the Penguin side for the most part, but still a fantastic game. If you're ESPN ABC who broadcasted this game nationally, you have to be pretty happy with the product you got on this Saturday night in Pittsburgh. It was March 25th at PPG Paints Arena, Capitals, Penguins. Let's get right to it. The first period was scoreless. We did not have anything to show uh, during the first period, but it didn't take very long for the scoring to get going into the second frame where it was Ryan Paling with uh, actually about halfway through. It was at the 10-10 mark of the second period. Ryan Paling catches a stretch pass from Danton Heinen and he buries it for his sixth of the season. The Penguins take a one nothing lead, and that was a great pass by Heinen to to uh, start that play uh, up. It was fantastic, and Paling did not miss. He has great speed. I believe the stat I saw earlier in the season was at one point he had the fastest recorded speed, like single speed, in, in one moment in the season, faster than guys like Kapanen, who are known for their speed, like McDavid, Larkin, there's a plethora of others. Paling had the fastest speed, and he showed it on that one where he caught that pass and he had a defender on him. I don't believe I don't remember who it was exactly, but he made sure to bury that one. He was not going to miss it. He's missed some time. He really needed that to get back into the swing of things, and he got it. So that was a great bottom six goal for the Penguins, a much needed one. 
not too long after, just two minutes, seven seconds after, Chad Ruweedle, the, the, the Giga Chad, gets his first of the season on a uh, offensive rush, nonetheless. Not something you expect to see Ruweedle jump up on very often. He is on a 2-on-1 with Zucker. Zucker sauces it over to him, and he just buries a beautiful shot from Chad Ruweedle. Granlin got the other assist, a secondary assist. He tapped it up to Zucker to uh, as Zucker was sprinting out of the D zone, and that's where Zucker on the left side was able to pass it over to Ruweedle, who was ready and waiting, and shot it right past Kemper to give the Penguins a 2-0 lead. And that was through the second period. On to the third, right away... There was a um, penalty at the end of the second, I believe it was. It was a, um, what was the penalty? It was a Nicholas Backstrom holding penalty. And just 27 seconds into the third period, Jake Gensel buries a power play goal. And it was just, it, it's been a problem sometimes with the Penguins starting periods on time throughout this year. And they started that one right on time. And it was much needed too, because they increased that deficit to 3 nothing. Raquel got an assist on that one, his 26th assist, and Gensel, that was his 32nd goal on the year. At this point, it is a 3-0 Penguins lead, and PPG Paints Arena is rocking. But things would soon start to creep up for uh, on the Penguins for the Capitals. Kuznetsov set up a great play. He took it away at the five, minute, uh, into, five minutes into the third period as Latang was puck handling on the blue line. His own blue line, uh, Kuznetsov turns it uh, turns it over, rushes around the net, gets Casey the Smith out of position, and passes it right in front where Tom Wilson quite literally is in the goal crease, and just buries one home and get, ends the shutout for DeSmith. In before that, DeSmith had countless unbelievable saves. There are moments where the Penguins D let up a lot of. Great opportunity, some odd man rushes. He stopped Ovi on a breakaway at one point. There were some two-on-ones where he had to do the splits. There was one, I remember, in particular, where Ovi passed it over to John Carlson. And the Smith did the splits in order to make that save. It was a fantastic night. Um, a, a many highlight reel saves. I would I would go as far to say that as this was the best performance for Casey DeSmith in a penguin uniform he's probably had many nights where he's allowed less goals i'm sure he has shutouts in his career i don't have those numbers in front of me but just based on the pure saves that he did make the the acrobatic saves the mark andre Fleury like saves because he's also a smaller frame like flower this may have been one of one of if not his best performance in a penguin uniform not too far after there is a ryan paling penalty on anthony mantha where he tripped him and quickly into the Washington Capitals power play, they do the most Washington Capital power play move you've ever seen, where they win the faceoff back. It was TJ Oshie who won the faceoff, won it back to Carlson. Carlson quickly passes it across the uh, across the rink to Ovechkin, who one time blasts it from the point into the net. There was no chance for DeSmith to properly set up for that one. There was no chance for the pa- the penalty kill to set up, get their men. There was... No, ch- no no chance on that one. That That's just the best goal scorer in NHL history being the best goal scorer in NHL history. I don't put the blame on that goal on anybody, really. Unlike the first goal, who I said that was on Latang, the second goal, I'm not, I can't really point the finger at anyone just because of how, uh, how great of a shot it was from the best shooter in the league's history. Little later, as the time is winding down for the 
Washington Capitals to come back. They do just that. Dylan Strom streaks in, put throws a shot on goal, and does the Kuznetsov, but without the puck, where he wraps around the net looking, uh, looking for the puck, and it's just kind of trickling around the slot. Nobody really saw where it was. No Penguin at least saw where it was, and Dylan Strom pounces on it and shoots on basically an open net. This was probably Casey DeSmith's worst, worst, uh, per, you know, moment of the night. I would say he, even if he was in a more of just a default position, just stood in front of the net. Even if he didn't know exactly where the puck was, based on the shot, it probably hits him. But unfortunately, there was a mad scramble for the puck. No one knew where it was, except Dylan Strom, who pounces on it, like I said, and buries it. And we have a tie game. The Penguins surrender another third period lead which has been the story of the season and at this point after 50 plus minutes of ppg paints arena rocking one of the best crowds i've seen this season honestly it it was fantastic to watch at this point it's a dejected crowd other than the many ovechkin jersey wearing uh capital fans that were at the game because there were a good bit um don't don't travel quite as well as the Habs or Maple Leaf fans, but still a good group of Capitals fans were there. So I'd like to give my you know give credit where credit is due. And like I said, at that point, a very de- dejected Penguin fan base. The arena is not as loud as it was, but with less than two minutes left, Anthony Mantha tries uh, puck carrying it out of his defensive zone, where Evgeny Malkin pounces on it, strips him clean of the puck. Streaks down the right side, goes low far side on Darcy Kemper. A beautiful, beautifully placed shot, beautiful snipe, and his celly was even better than the shot. He he was so excited to get that goal, and that will become the game winning goal as the Penguins do win this one four to three on that Malkin goal with just a minute twenty left. I believe it was fantastic moment, just unbelievable there. And the arena was probably as loud as it's been all season on that one where the Penguins needed those points. They needed two points. And honestly, if you're looking at the standings and the potential tiebreaker, they needed it in regulation too. They really did. The regulation wins is the tiebreaker after points in the standings. And with that regulation win, they are one regulation win up on the Florida Panthers now. 35 to the Panthers, 34. Still two behind 37 New York Islanders. But the Penguins got some help around the league today where the New York Islanders lost, the Florida Panthers lost as well. So neither of them gained any points or obviously regulation wins in the standings, meaning at 73 games played, the Penguins have 82 points. They are one point behind and one game in hand of the New York Islanders at 83 points in 74 games played at the moment. They have a three-point lead and have played the same amount of games as the Florida Panthers. And all of a sudden, the Buffalo Sabres are only six points back of that final wildcard spot as well. They also have a game in hand on the Penguins. So in a in a uh, race that kind of seemed like a three-team race there for the wild card. With New York and Florida losing, and with Buffalo getting on the right side of things as of late, they've won two in a row. It could become a four-team race, or maybe Florida really 
craps of the bed, and it just becomes a three-team race with the Sabres. I have a good feeling the Penguins and the Islanders are going to stay in the race for the long haul. I'm not saying that they're going to be the two wildcard teams, but I have a feeling that when it when it comes to Game 82, those two teams are still going to be vying for a spot. And it's going to be competitive here as we move along. The Pittsburgh Penguins played the Detroit Red Wings, who not too long ago were also in the wildcard race. They have since fallen out, only having 71 points in 72 games at this point. But I'd like to do a quick shout out of the teams that will beat our wildcard opponents to help secure this lead that we have in the moment. Uh, the New York Rangers today beat the Florida Panthers 4-3. to That was huge. That game was ending as the uh, as pregame was starting for the uh, Penguins. So, you know, still the, we, they probably went into the game knowing what happened. The Islanders lost to the Buffalo Sabres 2-0. So, like I said, the Buffalo Sabres might be coming up into the race. But odds are they probably won't if the if the Penguins and Islanders can keep playing well. But nonetheless, it makes it easier for the Penguins to potentially grab that first wildcard spot, which in this year is pretty important because the punishment for finishing in the second wildcard is you have to face the Boston Bruins. And you're not probably, I don't want to say not, you're probably not going to beat them in a seven-game series. doesn't matter what team you are especially if you're a wildcard team. I, I I think they have a they have a chance to do some history this season. Boston Bruins are at 117 points in 72 games all, already. 10 more games left and they're at 56 wins. So they just need to win 4 of their next 10 games to hit the 60 win plateau. But if you get the sec if you sorry, if you get the first wild card, you will potentially probably play the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe the Devils. The Devils have two games more played than the Hurricanes, but are two points back. So odds are probably won't get the Devils or probably get the Carolina Hurricanes, which either of those teams always play the Penguins hard. And so, you know, there's not really an ideal situation between the two of those. But either are super ideal compared to what could happen if you have to face the Boston Bruins. So that's where we're at. It is currently 2 a.m., March 26th now. The day has has flipped over, and the Penguins are on a high. My overall thoughts on this game, I, I, I do have some general takeaways as well. I still don't think POJ looks completely at home on that top pair. On that goal where, on the Strom goal, the 3-3 goal, he was, one of the, he was one of those guys that was just caught standing there. And I don't blame him entirely, because, like I said, no one really knew where it went. But when you watch the replay back and you see all the camera angles, you see him just kind of standing there like a giraffe, looking around. And uh, he's a really tall guy. That's why I make that reference. And um, just not moving. Just very stationary in that play. And uh, But most players were. But he, he he looked especially out of place on that one. So... Just not fantastic there. I think he's going to look a lot better when he's not playing on the top pair. I, and I'm not trying to be mean there or anything. I'm just saying that he's playing above his rule right now. And I think that's the reason why he looks as bad as he has over the past few games. In general, as I mentioned before, Casey DeSmith looked fantastic. 
that last goal, if he would have been a little better positioned, probably could have been avoided. But he made up for it 10 times over earlier in the game. He made save after save on opportunities that the defense gave him no help on. And by all accounts, Penguins could have gone into the third period down 3 4 nothing. I guess we scored two goals, so maybe at that point. So, I don't know, 4-2, whatever. Casey Smith was fantastic, nonetheless. Latang has been playing a lot of hockey since the injuries to um, you know everybody, essentially, on that back end. He played almost 28 minutes tonight. It's also worth mentioning when I was talking about POJ, he played t- over 24 minutes tonight. But in terms of Chris Latang, great player, fantastic. I think he may be getting a little tired out here because he's been pick- having to pick up the slack by playing a lot more minutes than he typically does. He's usually the top-minute guy on the Penguins' defense. I think it was Petrie a few times this season, but it's mainly been Latang when healthy, when, when playing, because obviously he's had his hardships this year on and off the ice, um, you know, health-wise. And, you know, obviously he had some uh, some familial issues, I believe. Um, yeah, so he has played a lot of hockey over the past couple games, few games, since the Penguins lost all their defenders. And I, I'm starting to wonder he may, if he may be tired, if he may be exhausted from playing nearly half of the game every night. And the schedule here is a cram. The, uh, there's not another game till Tuesday. But this is, the I believe, one of, if not one of two, if not the only two-day two rest un- until the end of the season. They're off uh, Sunday and Monday. And then, like I said, they get back to it in Detroit on Tuesday. But that's something I've been thinking about. Something I, I saw the game today. I don't think he looked particularly bad, but there were a few mistakes, especially on that first goal on the Kuznetsov to Wilson goal. That was all a thing there. That giveaway, totally preventable mistake. And it led to their first goal and led to the momentum for the Capitals and being able to get back into the game. So those are my thoughts on Latang. Another just general thought I had was that when the top six doesn't have to score all the goals, they succeed. The team, that is. This is another game, and I'd love to go back and check every game log, but I don't have the patience in me. I'm sure when there's the Penguins record when a bottom six forward scores has to be well above 500. Look at the Colorado game. They succeeded because they got two goals out of Jeff Carter, and they didn't have to rely on three, four, five guys getting all of the goals. I think I mentioned this last post game. I think we're the only team or soon to have five guys have 25 goals or we're close to it. Um, Zucker, I think, needs one more. I think he's at 24 right now. But Malkin got his 25th. I believe that was his 25th of the game. I mean, of the season, excuse me. Let me double check that. I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, Malkin, that was his 25th. Uh, So we're waiting on one Jason Zucker goal, I believe to get to that because Crosby, Malkin, Raquel, Gensel all have uh, I think I'm, I'm missing one, but I'm sorry. I'm really tired. Um, I'll have 25 goals or close to it. So the bottom six, when they score, the team plays really well and they perform uh, very well and they get the victories that they need. And this was a much needed two points 
so, so, so much needed, especially when they got help from the Rangers and Sabres today in defeating the Islanders and Panthers. So that's where we sit today, where hypothetically, with the game in hand, if the Penguins win that game in hand, the game in hand, they can be close to being, they have a good chance to be first wild card. But they just as easily could go on another cold streak and end up out of the playoff picture entirely. And if you look at the remainder of the schedule, there's a handful of bad teams, especially towards the end. I believe the last three are Columbus, Chicago, and Philly, maybe? I know Philly's in there at some point. But there's also a game against Boston. And Detroit isn't a bad team. They were in the wildcard picture for a while there. And the Penguins don't necessarily lose to good teams, beat all the bad teams. In fact, I think Pittsburgh sports over the past decade to two decades has consistently been playing down to your opponents. Steelers are guilty of that more than anybody, but the Penguins do that just as much. So I'm going to leave that there. Keep it at a cool 20 minutes today, tonight, because I'm pretty tired. I want to get this up, hopefully for the morning. And I want to thank you for listening. This was a quick one. Penguins are victorious at PPG Paints Arena 4-3 over the Washington Capitals on Saturday night, March 25th, in front of what I believe was a sold-out crowd and in front of a national audience, the ESPN audience. It was a great game, and we're looking forward to the Detroit game. And hopefully we'll get a full-length episode up before that game. I'm thinking Monday probably. And we'll talk more general things than just this. But until then, I will catch you next time. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at pens underscore cast. You can follow me on all of those outlets too, at Lucas Wester. And yeah, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.